Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Chilling tales for dark nights. Want to make sure you never miss a Chilling Tales for Dark Nights video again? Be sure to subscribe and hit that bell to turn on notifications. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Good evening, listener. You're listening to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. On tonight's edition, we invite you to leave behind your safe reality and descend with us into the frightening depths of the most terrifying imaginations with two audio adaptations of frightening fiction about nagging neighbors and frivolous fibs. I'm your host for this evening, Otis Gyrie, Standing in for my very dear friend Steve Taylor, and tonight I'll be your guide as we traverse the dimly lit corridors of your darkest dreams. Joining us tonight to help bring to life the frightening fiction of P.D. Williams and Clarence Carter are voice talents Creepy Face, Danielle Hewitt, and Olivia Steele. Now get your ticket ready, take your seat, 
in our theater of the minds and brace yourself. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Our first tale of the evening is written by P.D. Williams and is performed by Creepy Face and Danielle Hewitt. In it, we'll meet a woman nicknamed Crazy Old Nancy who engages in a turf war with her newest neighbor over his littering. It's Hammer versus Gum Wrappers in this darkly comedic showdown. And without further ado, I present to you Litterbug. Eyes widened and mouths dropped open as they watched old crazy Nancy making her way up Phil's walkway and towards his front door with a large hammer in her hand. Saturday was always Phil's cheat day when he didn't work out, ate what he wanted, and slept in late. The sleeping in late part was interrupted by a barrage of earth-rattling bangs on his door. He rolled out of bed, shook some alertness into his groggy head, and shuffled to the door, ready to cuss out a Mormon. He opened the door and looked at the elderly lady standing there in a grungy bathrobe. It took him a second or two to recognize her as the weird old bat who had told him off more than once about dropping gum wrappers on the side of the street. Look, lady, before you unload on me about the dopey wrappers, you should know... Just so you know... The woman said... This is what you wanted. The first three blows with the blunt end of the hammer were enough to render him dead. The next fourteen were administered with the claw end of the weapon. Nancy enjoyed the wet, crunchy sounds as she pried and yanked away eye sockets and cheekbones from Phil's unrecognizable skull. It was Bob Hankton who called the police. Roy was too busy puking and hyperventilating to be of much help. When the police arrived, Nancy sat calmly on the curb in front of Phil's house. Her demeanor starkly contrasted the circus that was beginning to swirl around her. The street quickly became lined with additional police cruisers, gawking neighbors, a CSI unit, and an ambulance, though Phil was far past needing it. After reading Nancy her rights, the detective in charge walked a short distance away and lit a cigarette. He was approached by one of the uniforms. She tell you why she did it? The female officer asked the detective. Not yet. She seemed shell-shocked, mumbled something about her neighbor jogging recently, but the poor guy's been out of town all week, according to the neighborhood watch captain. As the female officer lifted Nancy by her elbow and led her away to the police cruiser, Nancy dropped something. It was a clear bag containing an inner and outer gum wrapper, along with a small piece of white paper with some scribbling. The officer picked it up. Hmm, what the hell is this? She stuffed the bag into her pants pocket for later inspection by the detectives. Bob and Roy stood on the front edge of Bob's lawn. They watched as the police and coroner's vehicles drove away. You believe that mess? Roy asked. Never in my lifetime, Bob whispered, pulling a pack of chewing gum from his left breast pocket want one? He asked Roy. What? Roy replied. Gum. Want some? I'm trying to quit smoking again. Gum helps. I just started chewing it last week. 
Oh, what flavor is it? Wrigley Spearmint. Want one? Nah, I'm good. Suit yourself. Might get the taste of that vomit out of your mouth. Bob advised as he slid a stick of gum into his mouth. Then he twisted the foil and paper wrappers together and tossed them out on the road, where they blew a few doors down, across the street, and into the neighbor's yard. I hope you enjoyed Litterbug as written by P.D. Williams and voiced by Creepyface and Danielle Hewitt. Creepyface's performances can be found right here on our very own network, as well as on his YouTube channel called by the same name. He's worked so very hard making a career out of voice acting and his love of horror. I implore you to please check him out. If you enjoyed Danielle's performance, you can hear more of her on the Chilling Tales YouTube channel, where she holds the third place championship title for 2019's Evil Idol competition. You'll also find more of her work on the Wicked Library and Creepy Podcast at www.creepypod.com. This horror powerhouse also has a terrifying and tawdry podcast of her in the works can't wait to tell you more about it. Our second tale of the evening is written by Clarence Carter and is performed by Olivia Steele. In it, we'll meet a woman on a train ride from Boston to Texas who tells a ticket man a white lie, but after she says it, she can't let it go. Her vivid imagination grasps the lie, twists and distorts it. As the train ride progresses, her fears become more and more transparent. And without further ado, I present to you, without you. The footsteps of people on the platform clattered and thumped as Ariam stood in the corner with her hands clasped over her ears. She closed her eyes, hoping to reduce her anxiety. She'd always hated loud noises. Once she owned a pair of noise-canceling headphones... Those, like most things in her life, were gone. Her son, Sung Ho, stood by her side patiently. When she opened her eyes, those big, beautiful browns were staring back. He had a curiosity about him well beyond his age. Although he spoke well for nine, he'd never overcome a terrible shyness and rarely spoke, even to his mother. What little she remembered of her home country didn't impress her. The ticket in her pocket read Texas, and she was grateful to escape the cold. She never cared for New England winters, and cared even less for Korea. Besides, how her mother spoke about it made her miss it less. Ariam checked over her shoulder every few seconds, expecting to see someone there. As she stepped through the crowd, she couldn't help feeling as if everyone were watching her. Their judgmental eyes took her in watching her. Men in suits walked past, bumping elbows with denizens of the station. Overflowing trash cans stunk of yesterday's garbage. The cement benches in the center weren't stone gray, but riddled with graffiti, some of the images phallic in nature. Litter blew with the slight breeze. An older man sat on the floor, 
drumming a rhythm on an overturned bucket. This had drawn Sung Ho's attention. With that mature curiosity, he watched as the man slapped his drumstick on plastic, creating a beat. A vendor cart sat in the corner of the platform, a dingy-looking thing, once white, beaten down by age. A smiling black man stood behind it, serving hot dogs for a dollar apiece. Sung Ho tugged at her sleeve and pointed to the cart, which she'd already been eyeballing herself. They hadn't eaten all day. Tied to the side of the cart were a handful of balloons placed there to draw in children. As Ariam stepped up to the cart, she observed the selection. There were only hot dogs and a few options for soda. And balloons. Sung Ho tugged at her sleeve and pointed at them. She nodded. They didn't have much money, and Texas was still long. They ordered two hot dogs and a balloon. Ariam smothered her dog in everything, hoping the toppings would add a little more caloric value. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. There weren't any available seats on the benches, which didn't bother her much. She could stand. They were going to be sitting for several hours. Ketchup had already covered Sung Ho's mouth. That boy never could keep clean. Aryan pointed at the ketchup, to which he shrugged. With a napkin, she wiped his face for him, making him squirm. They'd made short work of lunch. The dog was surprisingly good, considering she'd gotten it off a cart and for only a dollar. She took the time to tie the balloon around his wrist, then threw the doilies and napkins into the trash. The green balloon bounced up and down as Sung Ho ripped it out of the air and slapped it back up. Several times he did this with an obnoxious whap. To be a kid again, she thought distantly. Entertaining herself as an adult was expensive, but a cheap balloon could keep him occupied for hours. First, a strong horn blast warned of its arrival, followed by a rattle that shook the entire station. Everyone gathered in small lines. She watched this with fascination. All of these people had boarded this train numerous times before. Whack. Whack. Sung Ho slapped the balloon, missing a bald-headed man by inches. Another disapproving look from his mother got him to stop for the time being. Palming the balloon like a basketball, he moved his fingers on it, creating a squelching sound. 
As the vibrations of the train shook her legs, she wondered why the woman had been staring. An older woman with an expensive purse had been looking at her. Ever since childhood, she'd shied away from strangers' looks, so it wasn't that surprising that Sung Ho had picked up the same traits. The metallic screech of the brakes sent shockwaves that pierced her eardrums. She winced against the pain. The noise-canceling headphones would have done wonders. As if Sung Ho could read her mind, he gave her hand a gentle squeeze. The crowd bumped and pushed onto the train. She clung tightly to Sung Ho, desperate not to lose him. As people boarded, they trickled to their seats. Verifying with the ticket, she found their seats in the third car. They had no luggage to store. Sung Ho took the window seat, leaving her with the aisle. The man binging on the buckets outside the window stood and took a bow. A couple of people clapped, and he began gathering his things. A man in a blue suit with long, gangly fingernails walked up the aisle, stopping at each seat to ask for the tickets. The metal hole punch crunched with each one. He worked diligently, asking the occasional passenger a question or two. He feigned interest, but Ariam sensed danger. Something about him made her uneasy. As he got closer, she wondered what it was that gave her that feeling. He looked like any ordinary transit employee, blue suit, hat, shiny shoes, and a pen. Everything looked normal, aside from his long nails. Perhaps it was the confidence with which he took authority, or the smile that said, I'm fooling all of you and you're too stupid to see it. Her hands shook as she passed the ticket. A crooked smile crossed his face, and she imagined him using those crooked teeth to bite off children's fingers. Pain erupted in her mouth as she bit into her tongue to keep from responding to that horrendous thought. The whole punch crunched. Are you going to Texas for business or pleasure? He asked in a slow monotone. After imagining that, she found it difficult to look him in the face. My mother has fallen ill. With lips much too wet, the smile faded. Sorry to hear that. He returned the ticket stub and moved to the next seat. Business or pleasure? His voice continued. The crunching hole punch and the visual of him biting fingers paired into one treacherous thought. She shook her head, trying to free herself from it. Before it broke free from her psyche, she imagined that spittle on his lips like blood. This is how it starts. After the door swished open, she considered what she'd said and immediately regretted it. Her superstitious mother would never have forgiven her for such a lie. Ariam did not inherit her mother's beautiful green eyes, but she did inherit that awful feeling of dread and grief. She, like many Korean people, had the Han. The lie festered beneath her skin like an infection, 
and the more she thought about it, the closer it got to becoming gangrenous. I wouldn't have said it under ordinary circumstances. Now that she'd put it out there, she hoped it wouldn't come true. Their family had gone through enough. An image of her mother moving through the kitchen came to mind. Her hips swung to music from the old country. Oven mitts covered her hands, a smile on her face. A beautiful vision, if ever she'd had one. The smile faded. A wet, choking sound escaped her lips. Her hands ushered to her throat, and rivulets of blood spattered on the mitts. My mother has fallen ill. Sangho's hand fell on top of hers, startling her from the vision. A worried look covered his face, followed by a couple of pats. He said nothing, only held her hand in silence. He read her like a book at times, and she always wondered how. Even with the comfort of her son, Aryam struggled to shake off the hallucination. She tried to calm her ravaging heartbeat, sliding deeper into the seat. Using the breathing techniques Dr. Maverick taught her, Aryam eased out of the anxiety. If things got intolerable, she could always take the pills. The lump in her pocket assured her, her safety net. They had a lot of time to kill and nothing to do. She didn't own a cell phone and hadn't brought anything to entertain themselves. The train clattered and woods flashed by the window. She wanted to entertain him, even if it didn't last long. The balloon had since been forgotten, but she had to try. She held it out to him with a closed fist. Kai Bai Bo. At first, Sung Ho looked at her as if she were crazy. Then she bounced the fist a couple of times, and he got the gist. The first round, she'd gone paper, and he'd gone rock. In the second round, he did paper, and she switched to scissors. In the third round, she kept scissors, and he'd gone paper. They went on like this until the sun knelt behind the trees. Sung Ho leaned his head on her shoulder and watched out the window as she ran her fingers through his hair. It didn't take long before his breathing changed. The thought of her ill mother returned. She envisioned her bent over, spattering blood from her mouth, and painting the kitchen floor. After she'd said it, it became a possibility. Her hand crept over the pill bottle. But she didn't want to do that. A little longer, she told herself. She imagined someone finding her mother's body, and they too became sick. To occupy her wild imagination, Aryam observed the train car. Across the aisle seat sat an older black man with a newspaper. The light above him barely lit it, and she could tell he'd given up. It sat in his lap more as a decoration than anything. She began to think about his backstory, searching for clues, checking his shoes and his clothes, guessing approximately how much money he made. It all seemed rather boring. What she'd accessed as a teacher or an accountant wasn't good enough. Instead, she imagined him as a deacon or a religious leader of sorts, 
Her public school education and non-religious parents had left her incapable of telling the difference between the many denominations covering the Boston area, Lutheran, Baptist, Presbyterian. For a short period, she imagined him giving a sermon and the cadence of his voice, or at least the one she projected on him, brought her comfort. Ahead three rows sat a beautiful blonde who periodically stole glances to her right. Ariam imagined an equally attractive man, probably muscular and well-dressed. The mind games were fun. By the time the train had gone dark, she'd made up backstories for everyone she could see. She'd even come up with a story for the eerie ticket man who wandered in and out of the train car. She decided he wasn't a man at all, but the bringer of death. It was his job to escort people to either heaven or hell. My mother has fallen ill. She imagined her mother lying on the floor, blood dripping from her mouth, those beautiful green eyes wide open, staring at her knowing. Perhaps the ticket man would come to collect her. If Ariam could, she'd have called her mother and confessed. She would have begged for forgiveness, and only then she'd be free of the awful thoughts and the guilt. The door next to the car swooshed open, and she saw something. It took her a long time to determine what she'd seen or what she thought she saw. In the next car stood a man, dressed in black, holding what looked like a cane. He'd been prodding someone with it, perhaps poking them while they slept. The thought made her chuckle based on its sheer lunacy. To her left, the man coughed. An uneasy feeling raised goose flesh on her skin. She'd just envisioned her mother hacking blood onto the kitchen floor and now the man next to her had a tickle in his throat. Although a coincidence, she didn't like it. Then, she thought about the spread. Her foot repeatedly tapped against the floor. Sungho rustled off her shoulder and leaned against the window, where his breath pattered the glass. The balloon hovered freely above his head. A couple of times, his eyelids flickered, as if he were in the depths of a fascinating dream. Once, she'd even sworn he'd made a noise, like a kitten's mew. The man coughed again. Aryam turned to him, hoping he was all right. What she saw instead was an increase of coughs, deeper and wetter. With a hand to his mouth, the man's eyes bulged. Desperation and confusion covered his face. A heinous chorus of croaks and gags filled the interior of the train car. A few rows ahead, more coughs erupted. The blonde woman who'd stolen glances at the hunk next to her. A hand covered her mouth. A million bizarre thoughts ran through her mind. One of them being that it, whatever it could be, might be coming in from the window. She also noticed that she wasn't coughing. The door swished open again. On the far side of the door, she saw him. Dressed completely in black, bearing a cane. He wore a mask like a bird with goggles. He used the cane to push at someone on the floor. They weren't sleeping. They were dead. 
Just before the door whirred closed, he looked at her. Her breath caught in her throat. The escalation of her heart rate rattled in her temples. Guilt poured over her, knowing that she'd brought this hell upon herself. Quickly, she pulled the orange bottle from her pocket and stared at the pills. She contemplated taking them and even rattled the container to see how many she had left. Instead of taking them, she pushed the bottle back into her pocket and closed her eyes. When her eyes opened, the ticket man stepped through the door. There wasn't anyone standing behind him in the next car. No bird-like mask, no goggles, and no cane. Simply the ticket man asking, business or pleasure. Their eyes met momentarily. The uneasy feeling remained, and something about him rose her defenses. The image of him biting off children's fingers returned, and the sound that echoed through her mind nearly made her cry. It sounded a bit like the snap of a carrot. Ariam clasped her hands over her ears and tried the breathing techniques again. She tried to recall all the tips Maverick had told her, but he'd always reverted back to the medication. As her thoughts cleared, the man to her left wasn't dying of a coughing fit. He'd reclined his seat the allotted three inches and had his hands crossed just above his pot belly. With his eyes closed, he looked peaceful. She thanked her lucky stars that it wasn't reality, but only some dimension of hell she'd glimpsed in on. One she'd probably created with that lie. She would take whatever change she had and find a payphone, or she'd beg for it if she had to. She'd call her mother and set everything straight. Riddled with anxiety, she couldn't wait until they arrived in Texas. Sung-ho moaned in his sleep, shuffling uncomfortably. She brushed his hair from his eyes and thought she'd felt warmth on his forehead. She couldn't help but feel like they'd both just suffered a nightmare. She gripped his hand and waited for the bad dream to pass. The train jostled and blasted its horn. Much to her surprise, her son didn't wake. He didn't even stir. Out the window, she saw scattered trees. Judging by the descent of speed, they were approaching another station. More than anything, she wanted to wake Sung-ho and get off the train. But they were still a long way from Texas. Although no one entered her car, the luggage clattered on board. Their voices carried through the automatic door. The windows did nothing to muffle the sounds from the platform. There were fewer people, probably because of the night. Their tired faces reflected her own. If she'd had more energy, she might have given them backstories or observed their belongings to guess at what they did for a living. Her mind had grown too tired for that. The fight to keep her eyelids open intensified. The train blasted its horn again, and it chugged to life. The people on the platform disappeared, giving way to more trees. Occasionally, they'd let up, and she'd see an intersection with a car or two or a handful of buildings. Otherwise, it remained the same. The door whirred open again, and the ticket man stepped in. He looked at all the passengers as he passed by, 
but said nothing. She didn't like him, didn't trust him. As he passed, a smile curled from his lips, nothing more than a courtesy. Even that sent a chill up her spine. Her eyelids had grown heavy, and she longed for sleep, but that lingering fear kept her awake. If she closed her eyes, Aryam feared horrible dreams awaited. She could already imagine them. Her mother was lying on the floor in a pool of blood, the passengers with their bodies slumped over in the seats, or worse, spread all over the floor. She imagined this thing spreading, infecting people by the millions. Also, she knew he'd be there. He would be waiting deep in the recessions of her dreams, lurking, wearing all black with a bird-like mask, tagging along with a cane. He would be there. The worst fear was that he'd never leave. Another station and tons of miles passed. She'd regained control of her elevated heart rate and clutched tightly to the hand of her sleeping son. Above what little she could see from craning her neck, showing a palette of brightly illuminated stars. They were beautiful. With his hand in hers, she felt as if the good within him balanced out the evil she imagined in the world. He could bring balance where the chemicals in her brain couldn't. Without him, she had no purpose, no reason to live. Darkness cast upon the train as they entered a long tunnel. Outside the window, she saw nothing but stone walls on both sides. A periodic lantern only lighted the walls outside. The ceiling lining had two strips of bulbs that barely illuminated the interior of the train. Ahead, the unseen hunk coughed. Not again. The door swished open, and the man came stumbling in. Thump, thump, tap. With the tip of the cane, he touched the unseen man. His leather-gloved hand raised to the mask, adjusted, and returned to his side. Thump, thump, tap. Aryam's heart pounded against the walls of her ribs. She leaned over, stealing a glance as the birdman stepped over the hunk who'd collapsed in the aisle. He'd prodded him with the cane again, poking at his sides. The man let out an exasperated wheeze, followed by coughs that spewed blood onto the floor. Coughs sounded from the car behind her, loud ones. There seemed to be a lot of them. The man must have heard them because he moved again. Thump, thump, tap. She ducked behind the seat, hoping he wouldn't see her. A wet, obnoxious cough came from beside her. Her eyes grew wide in disbelief as she turned and looked at Sung Ho. His face had gone pale and his eyes dark. Sweat stood out on his forehead. In the pits of his shirt, she saw stains probably caused by a fever. With a finger pressed to her lips, she silenced him. More than the illness itself, she feared he would come for them. With her eyes, she pleaded for his silence, begged for it, 
maneuvering around the seat, she stole another glance at the front of the car. The man in black moved on to the beautiful blonde, who'd slumped over with her head dangling from the armrest. He pushed her head with his cane, earning a sickly groan. A whimper escaped her lips. Her hand reached to cover her mouth, but it was too late. The man in black looked up at her. His footsteps thudded against the aisle, gaining in speed and volume. Thump, thump, tap. There wasn't anywhere to run. Again, she closed her eyes. She prayed. Her eyelids clenched together as she chanted, Don't be real. Don't be real. For a long time, she didn't dare open them. She imagined he was standing there, close to her face, waiting to scare her. When she opened them, he wasn't there. The man wasn't lying on the floor, and the woman wasn't dangling from the armrest either. The fear of those delusions grew. It seemed that each time she imagined him, he got closer. At her side, Sung Ho looked fine. He jostled in his sleep again. He remained asleep, and his breath had fogged the window just a little more. As desperately as she could, she clung to reality. If she allowed her imagination to trail, things would get worse. Aryam didn't know exactly what would happen if he reached her, if anything at all. But she didn't want to find out. Luckily, the man across the aisle had closed his eyes. Otherwise, he'd have witnessed her panic and call the police. Then they'd find her and drag her back there. Within those walls, she wasn't allowed to see Sung Ho. They made sure of it. After talking herself off the ledge, an ounce of comfort came over her. She knew that the hallucinations wouldn't go on forever. If she needed them to go away badly enough, she could always use the safety net. I'm just going to rest my eyes. She leaned back in her chair and pushed the horrendous thoughts from her mind. The fear that he'd return tortured her. A distant fear that he might be lurking in her dreams also swept over her. She listened carefully for his footsteps, but heard little over the clanging train. The man wasn't real. Of that, she was certain. But she knew her imagination could be her worst enemy. She could imagine all sorts of horrific scenarios, and they regularly felt indistinguishable from reality. As a young girl, that imagination had been her best friend. Before she grasped English, she'd had no friends except those in her head. A light sleep came over her. But no nightmares waited. A couple of hours passed, and her eyes opened to the orange glow breaking on the horizon. With the sun came a sense of ease. Less bad things happened in the daylight. Much to her surprise, Sung Ho was already awake. He'd taken her hand in his and sat staring out the window, as he'd done before. He too looked mesmerized by the sunrise. The balloon drifted above his head, forgotten. A gurgling erupted in her stomach. 
The hot dogs had long since burned off, and she was hungry again. There had been a cafe car somewhere on the train, and she wondered if she could find it. As she shuffled through her pockets, she concluded there wasn't enough money. They'd have to wait. Sung-ho kicked his feet back and forth off the edge of his seat. This made her smile. Much like she'd done with English, she studied him carefully. With a boy as painfully shy as him, she'd learned to pick up on his body language. That little nap did nothing to repair the exhaustion from the trip, but she knew they'd sleep when they got there. The brakes screeched again, followed by the blare of the horn. Ahead was another train station. Outside, she watched as people walked freely about the city. They looked happy. Most of them. The train hissed as it came to a stop, and she saw them on the platform, waiting to board. Thump. Thump. Tap. As if in slow motion, the doors sprung open. People started to board the train. He stood at the front of her car, hanging onto his cane, watching her. His hands rested on the brass notch on top of the cane. She looked out the window to her right, down at the platform. The people waiting in line had changed. Starbucks cups weren't gripped firmly in their hands anymore. They weren't happy morning people on their commute. The flesh around their mouths had split and dangled. The skin hung loosely from their bones like lepers. An emotionless, peeling mask had replaced the life that had once shone from their faces. These people brushed past the man in black as they boarded. With them came the pungent odor of death. Their feet dragged as they crept towards their seats. Maggots squirmed within the gaping holes of their skin as parts of their bones and organs shone through the various wounds. Sung-ho's hand overlapped hers. She turned and looked at him. His eyes left hers for a second, stealing a glance over the seat. She suspected he was looking at the man in black. The boy's face turned into a grimace. If you take your medicine, the monsters will go away. The train jerked to life. Its powerful engine chugged. The lump in her pocket reminded her of the way out, but she didn't think she needed it. She firmly believed she could hold on a little longer. Sung-ho squeezed her hand tighter, encouraging her. Again, she shook her head. Why not? With trembling hands, Aryam wiped away tears. If I take them, you'll go away too. I hope you enjoyed Without You, as written by Clarence Carter and voiced by Olivia Steele. You can hear more of Olivia Steele right here on our podcast network and YouTube episodes, as well as on her own YouTube channel called Scarily Olivia. Now, our weekly descent into the depths has just about come to a close, 
But before we go, I'd like to take a moment to thank you for joining us tonight and remind you to take a moment to stop by our iTunes page and leave Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, a five-star review and a kind word, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you haven't already. And of course, subscribe to us on YouTube where you can find an archive of our work going back to 2012. Also, consider signing up as a patron at our website, showingtalesfordarknights.com, to show your support and get all of our content ad-free. I'm your host, Otis Jerry, and as always, it's been a pleasure. Tune in again next week when we once again turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Sweet dreams, listener. Sweet dreams. <laughs> Chilling tales for dark nights. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.